Hi, folks. This is GOK, Gospel of Kennison, episode 56, Discipline in Detail, part two. And I've been on this discipline kick, so I hope it's helping somebody. Had a couple folks say, I don't have kids, but they're helping. it's helping me with my grandkids. So, hey, that's awesome. Um, this week, we're going to focus on what does God expect from parents and children? Because knowing, um, like last week, we talked about setting visions uh, a vision for your kids is part of knowing what is acceptable and unacceptable in their behavior. Um, it's going to be helpful to know what God wants from you in relation to your kid and what your kid wants or what God wants from your child in relation to its family and to him. Uh, but first, let's review uh, exactly what is discipline. What it is not is punishment. Okay, It's, it's not only punishment because punishment just says you were wrong. Bam, bam, bam. Here you go. Uh, it is not abuse because abuse says you deserve the worst. What it is, is um, discipline is something that says, you know what? You can do better. And as a bonus, I will help you do better. Uh, discipline is the pain, the small pain that causes us to run from eternal death. If that sounds weird, go back and listen to one episode. We talk about the microcosm of of the family versus uh, or inside the the full-scale universe where everything in the world is is trying to shoot us toward death, eternal destruction because of the way the world is wired. But we and Christ are trying to direct and, and reverse the current toward the positive end, toward life and having it more abundantly. And part of the way we do that in our children's lives is to cause that discomfort um, that pushes them toward eternal life. Uh, uh, discipline is also based on a proper relationship, a relationship that is based on mutual respect. Um, the child respects you as a leader, as a, as a person that is over them, smarter than them, knows more than them. And yet at the same time, I, as a parent, respect my child. I respect what is special about them. What is unique about them? What doesn't work in their life that may work in another sibling's life? Um, and, and I always uh, am, 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 am speaking to them and I'm working with them uh, with the vision of what uh, I have for them in mind in my head. Um, proper discipline is achieved. This is the way I say it. When we provide a relationship of love and consistency where children are shown the consequences of sin and the benefits of obedience. It starts with love. It is consistent and predictable. We talked about that. It has consequences for bad choices, and it has benefits and encouragement for good choices. So what does God expect from parents and children? Uh, Psalm 127.3 says, Sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a reward from Him. So if children are, are a reward, what are they rewarding what if, if they're a heritage, what are we supposed to be doing in their life? We are given them just like we're given talents, just like we're given any other thing that anything you're given to by from God, you are going to be accountable for in eternity. So what is that? Parents, one of the things that parents have to do, and I think it's pretty obvious, is love and discipline, train, you know, and disciple them. The two concepts seem inseparable. Deuteronomy Six, seven, and eight says, impress on them or impress them on your children. These are the things of God, the scriptures. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're walking on the road, when you lie down, when you get up, 
Tie them as symbols to your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, does it literally mean these things? I don't believe it does. I think it means the importance of having and taking advantage of teachable moments. Teachable moments are those opportunities when your children say things, ask things, they do something wrong or right, and it reminds you of something about God. And you take that moment and you explain it to them right there. And you're ready, no matter if you're walking in the door or out the door, if you're if you're on the road or if you're in the house, if you're playing Minecraft or if you're on your way to church, uh, looking for those opportunities to say things to your children that will encourage them and lift them up is absolutely amazing and huge. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from who? The Lord. Absolutely. Fathers. Oh, goodness. Why are we addressing fathers? Because nine times out of ten, mom's got it right. Dad, you're the one that needs to make sure that you are doing what God wants you to do. Do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Do not tease them. Do not, uh, you know, mock them. Um, just be careful how you are with them. Proverbs 22 6 says, train a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not turn from it. Direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave it. Um, I know these seem a little different. The, the, the scriptures I am quoting and reading here are in the CEV, um, uh, not, it's a translation, it's a direct translation. It was done by uh, missionaries who were working with uh, people overseas who did not speak ang- English as their first language. So these are ESL students. It, it happens to be written at a third grade reading language. So it's great for kids, and I like reading it and using it, especially in circumstances like this where it may be the first time you've heard a scripture or you've heard it so many times that it doesn't really mean anything unless you hear it slightly different. So um, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 9 or 4, 9, be, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen and let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. So the things that happen in our life, the things that we know, the things that we've experienced about God, it is very important to pass those on. Proverbs 13, 24 says, He who spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him is careful to discipline him. All right. Again, does it mean a literal rod? I don't think so. Um, I I never hit my kid with a rod. I've only spanked my children with my bare hand so that I can, you know, taper and and make sure things are done uh, properly and in order. But I think anything that is discomfort to your child that is uh, so uncomfortable that it outweighs the benefits of the bad behavior like we talked about last time, I think that is your rod, okay? Uh, Basically, though, if you think all you can do is love your child and hug your child through um, life and expect that kid to come out a well-rounded individual, it is just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Here's a quick example, and I may have said this in the last episode, but my my wife used to, uh, you know, when they were in class, they used to have this game, and the game was um, hot or cold. So you would have a kid be, you know, with a with a beanbag, and everybody would be there. And um, the one kid would leave and then come back. And and while he was gone, they would put the beanbag somewhere, 
And then the kids had to holler out whether the character or the person, the kid was hot or cold. Well, in this example, the first time they did it, they said you could only say when they're when they're hot. That's when they're close. And so the kid comes in and everybody's quiet until he is um, until he's hot. And then the kids start yelling and screaming, "You're hot! You're hot! You're hot!" And and for some, he couldn't quite um, get it. Saying they did it again with the cold, same problem. Wasn't close enough. When he was close enough, um, if all they could say was cold, he was never able to focus on the exact area that it was in because, you know, anywhere within 10 feet, um, the kids started screaming cold, just like they had hot. It was only when they played the game it's supposed to be done where you say hot when it's hot, cold when it's cold, was that kid able to fine-tune his movements and find exactly where that beanbag was located in record time. What does that teach us? That teaches us that you can't just say no, no, no all the time and be a negative kind of disciplinarian. You can't also be a yes, 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 you're so awesome, you're so wonderful kind of disciplinarian either because neither one of them do exactly what you'd want them to do. One empowers them and makes them think that they can do anything and then it gets tainted and by the time they're in high school and college, they think they can do anything they want and they can't. And the life is going to teach them one way or the other. And then you've got the other side where, where they're disciplined and they're disciplined to the point that all they really ever do is learn just not to get caught. And, you know, they grow up and they're in church and they're hiding, you know, who they really are. So it's about, it's about balance and it's about both. Um, so you can't just love and you can't just discipline. You have to combine them and find a way to do that. So that's what uh, that's what pretty much what God wants from our from parents as far as scriptures that I found. Uh, now let's move to children. Children obey your parents. That's what God wants. And here's the scriptures that kind of say that. Children do what your parents tell you. It is only right. Honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment that has a promise attached to it, namely, so you will live well and have a long life. Ephesians six one through three. Children. Obey your parents in all things, for it is well-pleasing to the Lord. Colossians 3.20, KJV. Regard, treat with honor, do respect and courtesy, your father and mother, that your days will be long on the land, and the, and the, Lord, wait, the Lord your God gives you. Uh, Exodus 20.12, Amplified Version. Even a child is known by his doings, whether the work he uh, whether the work be pure and whether it be right. Proverbs 20, 11 and KJV. So kids are also required. So that was children obey your parents. It's important for them to know. Their kids are known by their, um, by their actions. Uh, the other thing too is children grow in wisdom. They need to grow in wisdom. That's what the Bible expects from a child. Hear my son, your father's instructions and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are graceful. They are a graceful wreath on your head, and ointments about your neck. Proverbs 1, 8, 9 in the NASB, New International uh, Standard Version. Uh, come, come you children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Psalm 34, 11, New, uh, New King James. Uh, now therefore, listen to me, my children. 
For blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instructions and be wise and do not disdain it. Proverbs 8, 32, 33, New King James. We're getting a pattern here. Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. And whatever else you do, get good judgment. Proverbs 4, uh, 7, that's the NLT, uh, New Living Translation. The road to life is a disciplined life. Ignore correction and you will be lost for good. Proverbs 10, 17, that's the message. Blessed is the person who does not follow the advice of wicked people or take the path of sinners or join in the company of mockers. Rather, he delights in the teachings of the Lord and reflects on his teachings day and night. He is like a tree that is planted by beside the streams, a tree that uh, produces good fruit in season and whose leaves do not wither. He succeeds in everything he does. Psalms 1, 1 through 3. And that's uh, from the God's Word edition. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Follow anything that makes you want to do right. Pursue faith and love and peace and enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. 2 Timothy two twenty two. New Living. Who is wise? He will realize these things. Who is discerning? He will understand them. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. Hosea 14.9 NIV. Here's another one. My child, do not turn away or become bitter when the Lord corrects you. The Lord corrects everyone he loves just as parents correct their favorite child. Proverbs 3.11-12 CEV. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word and following your rules. That's Psalm 119.9, New Living. So it's very clear to me that God wants parents to love and discipline, train their children. And God wants children to love and obey their parents and to grow in wisdom. It mentions that about Jesus if you remember that they kind of skip over his growing years and they said that he grew in the fullness and stature, you know, and, and he grew in wisdom and the, and the, 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 the guys at the, um, you know, all the rabbis and stuff were very impressed with him and the things that he knew about God. So, um, so it's apparently a very important thing, but the most, one of the, one of the things that are very important, I, I call it the primary Primary spiritual influence. That is what God wants you to be in your kid's life is the primary because prim, <laughs> there's going to be other spiritual influences. All right. Um, but you've got to be the primary and I, I'll tell you how. Okay. First, we're going to read something out of the message. First Timothy four, 12 and 15. And don't let anyone put you down because you are young. Teach believers with your life by word, by demeanor, by love, by faith, by integrity. Cultivate these things. Immerse yourself in them. The people will all see you mature right before their eyes. It's funny to me how I know how to keep my kids healthy. I know that if I feed them good things and I make sure they get sleep and exercise and stuff like that, um, that they're going to be uh, in good health, you know, for the most part there. I, I know to put them in jackets when it's cold. You know, I, I, I'm pretty smart when it comes to that kind of thing. I'm even pretty confident how to make them smart 
like I I read to them, I play instructional games with them, uh, I make sure they have good activities and, and crafts and things that stimulate them and even even some of their video game work. I think Minecraft has a has a good bit of that. But I you know, they read, they have reading times, I check their homework, we work on it together. I'm pretty good at that too. That's kind of a second nature to me. And I think it is for most of us, whether we do it or not. But even though I, oh, oh, wait, I even know how to make them behave for the most part. I know that I can discourage bad behavior and encourage good. And why is it, though, that I can feel confident in all of those things uh, about the physical, about the mental? Um, I can do anything with those things. But when it comes to the spiritual side of my kids, I, I and thousands, if not millions of other Christians around the world suddenly feel incapable and maybe even a little bit afraid. Maybe you can relate with that. I've had so many parents being a children's pastor over the years that have come to me and they, they, they're like, I need you to answer this question for Timmy because Timmy asked me such and such and I don't know what to say. And I used to answer those. I used to answer. I'd go to the kid and ask them, and they'd ask me, and we'd work it out. And situations like that proved to me and have shown me so many times that what is true in my life is true in everybody else's, is for some reason with the spiritual side of things, we get a little bit, I don't want to say flimsy, but we get very unsure of ourselves. We don't want to do it wrong. You know, we, get, we got prayers at night. And, and some, some of the, you know, really great people that have it all together, maybe they do a Bible study time and maybe that Bible study time is actually fun and interactive. But for most folks, the children, the parents have said this, they've said, you know what? I don't know how to teach them football. That's what the coach is for. I don't know how to teach them math, complex math problems. That's what the math teacher's for. And I don't know ballet, so I take them to a ballet class. And I don't know all this stuff about God. That's what the children's pastor's for. And children's pastors have become the primary spiritual influence in children's lives, at least the ones that go to church regularly. I would still claim that even though they are expected to be that, they could never be that because whoever their parents is, is the primary spiritual influence influence on their life. That's why, in my opinion, my humble opinion, um, why we lose 85 to 95% of all kids growing up in church. They don't continue to go to church. They quit Christianity. They walk away from it because the children's pastors have done a great job. The pastors have done a great job. The youth pastors have done a great job. Everybody did a wonderful job except for the parents. I'm going to talk about that. I believe training a child to know their creator is one of the most important things a parent can do for their children. This world is full of people who have great minds, great health, and even great talent, but they don't have the spiritual fortitude to stand for anything other than their own well-being. I mean, you just watch old episodes of VH1 behind the music and you'll see how well their talents and their giftings work out for most of them. We can take our kids to church, 
but their primary source of spiritual input should be their own parents. After nearly 10 years, and now it's been 13 years of ministry to children, I have seen that my lessons only last until they get in the car to leave for home. Unless what I have preached is reinforced, what has already been taught and lived out in the home, what I teach as a kid's pastor will only apply while they're in church. What parents teaches, what parents teach reach everywhere, both inside and outside the home. Let me explain that real quick. If we were specifically talking just about discipline, it'd be a little easier to explain. You go to school and maybe your kid switches classes a couple times. They have an art class, they have a science class, and then they have a teacher that does everything else or a music class. Depending on the temperaments of the teachers and their ability to maintain the control uh, and order in a class, the same group of kids could act completely differently in any one of those situations. For instance, oftentimes some of the more wild kids were some of my best children in children's church. And especially if I gave them a job, you know, and made them junior leaders or something like that. But then the moment their parents would walk in the door, the behavior would come back, the craziness, the wildness, the uncontrollable, uh, you know, attitudes. And that showed me right there, you know, immediately that they didn't have the structure that they needed at home. And, but when you get a kid who is taught to behave at the house, in the home, it will reach out to every other place that that child is. Children's church, kids, you know, school, uh, football. It goes out and it is, and it is, uh, it is, it goes their way when it's a teacher or a art instructor or a pastor in a situation, they will learn to be good in those moments, in those times, because the structure's there, but that structure does not follow them home. I know that for a fact. There are very few examples that I could point to where a child has taken what I have said from a stage or a Sunday school class, and it has changed their life in spite of all the crap going on in their house or their home. These kids were special. These kids were had special uh, personalities. These kids had examples in their home that were so negative that they could that they wanted the exact opposite of what they were living with. And these were inner city children and youth that I'm speaking of. Very, very small percentage. I want to say four kids that I've known out of the hundreds of kids, thousands possibly that I've spoken with and ministered to over over the over my time. So, um, again, just reiterating what happens in a classroom stays in a classroom unless when they get in that car, what you have taught them as a, or what I have taught them, I'm sorry, if it's already reinforcing something that they have seen living and breathing in the lives of their family at home, that's when it works. How do we raise up our children spiritually? Most of it is actually pretty simple. There's only one part that can be difficult. So let's cover the easy stuff. How, how, how do you teach a kid spiritually? Well, the first one, read to them. Hey, that sounds like the mental thing. Yeah. Tell your story 
tell your kids stories from the Bible. You don't have to read it from the Bible. Matter of fact, it's probably best, especially if they're young, to get a storybook that is age appropriate. And if your kids are older, you can uh, tell them the story or read it. You know, get a good get a good translation. There, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing devotions. If you're doing heavy Bible study, stick to KJV, stick to NASB. But if you're just doing, um, you know, devotions, get a get a NIRV, New New International Readers Version. Get CIV, C, CIV. Yeah. Anyway, CRV. But get them something. And if they're older than that, have them read the story to you. Okay, it's just like reading anything. In this in this one. Discuss the stories. Ask how the characters involved felt and what they learned. Put yourself in those stories and say, what would, what would you feel like? What, what do you think this person would have learned? You know, And then tell them how the message applies to their life. Well, I can't do that. I can't do that. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised how well you could do. And here's another little part. If you're new at it, if you're new at this, you're no newer than the child is and you can grow together and you can be honest and tell them, this is all new to me. I want you to help me and I'll help you. We'll help each other. We'll trust the Holy Spirit to help us out too. And if we have any questions, we'll write them down and we'll take them to the pastor. And here's what I do with that anyway. And when you go to your pastor to ask for questions, to answer your kids, tell him what the question was and then make him tell you the answer, write it down or whatever, and then you go tell your kid. That way you are the primary spiritual influence in your child's life. There's nothing wrong with a pastor telling them. But how about 20 years from now when your kids have children and that kid, that, that kid of yours calls you to answer some of the questions their your grandchildren have. Wouldn't that be so much cooler? <laughs> That's the heritage that we're talking about in the, in our scriptures there. It's important. So read to them. That's easy. It really is. Number two, share with them. Tell them stories of times when God was there for you. You know, even you're not you don't have to be some wonderful storyteller. Anyone who's spent any time trying to live right has stories, both of successes and failures. Now, you don't want to tell your kids the darkest parts of your life. You know, it's, it's got to be age appropriate, obviously. But if there's something you were doing wrong as a kid, tell them. Oh, Lord, tell them. Because you know what? I was raised in, in a situation where I thought that my folks did everything absolutely perfectly right. And part of my faith was based on the cornerstone of that being true. And when I found out it wasn't, it really shook me up. And I'm like, how come they can tell me what to do when they didn't even do everything right? So tell, tell your folks, tell your kids the mistakes that you used to make. Um, anyway, I don't be afraid. I don't think spelling out dark details of your past is healthy, but... Keep share keep your sharing age appropriate and your children will see how the relationship you have with God has shaped the family they're a part of. I tell the stories of my childhood about the you know being left out in the car with the windows up, you know, just 
just different things that, that have happened and it helps them appreciate and know how that has affected the way I parent them. And they'll bring these situations up and they'll talk about them. And they'll ask me was, was, you know, were your parents just flat out mean? And I would say, no, I, I think they were just really confused. I think they were really, um, you know, they just had so many problems because of the choices they had made. And that's why I've decided and tried to make good choices. So my life wouldn't be so confusing and so hurtful and so painful to where I couldn't focus on the needs you have. I don't know what your story is, but your children should know your story. So share with them, tell them the struggles you're having, you know, again, age appropriate and all that kind of stuff. You don't need to be like, Oh, I think demons are under my bed. You know, that, that, mm -mm, no, but, you know, if you, if you struggle with prayer, you know, tell them that. Tell them that. I, this is something we need to do together. You need to help me. You know, that kind of thing. Thirdly, involve them. Church is important. Absolutely important. Uh, the older your child is, though, the more important you will find it will become. Children have four main sources for friends. Uh, yeah, cause, so, so the main primary reason for church... Uh, may surprise you, um, but they have four main sources for friends, their neighborhood, their school, their church, and uh, extracurricular activities, okay? Um, those are also the four main influences and in the four main worlds that your kids exist in. Uh, where do you want the majority of your kids' friends to come from? When you consider that middle school and high school students put more trust in their friends' opinions than they do their own parents', then you will probably want those friends to have similar, similar moral standards to your own. So find a church that cares about families and offers programs that provide opportunities for children to grow in their faith, character, and dedication. I'm also a fan of churches who allow families to worship together once in a while, I'm even more of a fan of it now because um, kids learn by imitation, my friend. Um, they can't learn how to worship from you if they never see you do it. Um, and that leads us into some of our harder stuff. I'll say what I said again. They cannot. Uh, kids learn by imitation. That is why you will always be their primary spiritual influence no matter what you do, whether you're a Christian or not. You always be because kids learn by imitation. I said earlier too that every now and then, maybe four kids out of a thousand that I met with um, would learn by the opposite of imitation. They would say, and I'm one of those kind of kids. I looked at uh, my father and the situations, the challenges, and the, and the decisions he made, and I just made a hardcore decision. I'm never going to do those things. I'm never going to drink. I'm never going to smoke. I'm never going to. Um, party. I'm never going to do drugs. I, it's just not something I'm interested in or tempted by. Um, so every now and then you get one of those kind of kids, but for the rest of us, it is, uh, they learn by imitation. They learn, uh, from you. So let's talk about the harder stuff Four number four is live by live, live out your faith. Okay. Live out your faith. Uh, the problem with, with a lot of parents right now is that they do the same thing their kids do. When they, when their church service doesn't get past the car, you know, they go, they, they worship Oh, they did my favorite song. I felt so good. He talked about such and such. That was awesome. A couple good points. I underlined some things in my Bible and then we're going home and we're eating lunch and then that's it. That's all it gets to. 
So the number one reason why most families don't discipline properly or raise spiritual children is because the parents are not disciplined or spiritual themselves. They know it is ridiculous to expect behavior from their children when they aren't modeling it themselves. They can't hold a child to things that they're not doing themselves. Raising up children is like duplicating yourself. In many ways, children will become what you are now. They will do what you say for only so long, and then they will start doing what they see you do. It's your li- is your life be- worth being duplicated? That's the question I have for you today. Is your life worth being duplicated? If you can, can't look inside and say, no, I wouldn't want this. It's good enough for me, but it's not good enough for my kids. Then things need to change, even if you're struggling against it. Even, it's a better example than trying to live for God and faking it. The struggle will be so inspirational. But if you act like nothing's wrong and everything's a can of peaches, that's no good. The only way you can pretty much lead a, a negative spiritual example when your heart of heart is focused on God and what he wants. The only way you can really screw it up is by quitting. As long as in the heart of hearts, you want what God wants for your life and your family and your kids, you cannot fail. You may have horrible things happen to you, but it's in the center of who you are, you put a very thick, dark, deep mark that says, this is the center of my existence, God and what he wants. I just imagine a giant tent peg just pounded down. I could fall so far from so many different heights, but when I get to that peg, I can't fall farther than that because that's who we are. That's what my family is. That's who I am. If you could say that, you're going to succeed. So live out your faith. Um, the second one is hold, hold them accountable. Having a life of faith requires living by a set of godly standards. And there's no reason to have them if we don't enforce them. This is where proper discipline comes in. Proper discipline isn't always punishment. It is not trying to make a child to be well-behaved. It is training up a child to become a person who prefers good choices over bad, who prefers godly ways over sinful ones. When we model a godly life, they get to share the benefits of obedience with you as a family. When we properly punish bad choices, we help them see the consequences of sin. So the stereotypical discipline that we've talked about last week, this is where that comes into account. It's not enough just to teach them about God. It's not enough to just live it with them. They, you have to discipline them the way God disciplines you. Number six, let them choose. This is the harder stuff. The hardest thing a child, I'm sorry, a parent will ever do is let their child go to make their own way in the world. I have yet to have to experience that. I guess in tiny ways I have when you send them to kindergarten and first grade and I'm about to send a kid to sixth grade next year. So you get little tiny versions of it. But the Bible has a promise that we can trust in if you do it. It says that if we show our children the way they should go when they are older, 
they will go that same way. That is why it is so important to model our faith for them because we'll always be parents, always. But there will be a point when we are no longer parenting them. We have to sit back. We have to hope that what we've invested in them will carry them through. So I I will never assume that my child is just automatically going to become a Christian. I will never force it on either of them. I will model a life dedicated to Christ and trust that if it is real and it's everything it says it is, that it will be attractive to them and they will make that choice on their own. Again, this is a part of my life I have yet to have to live out. I, I, I'm doing the part, <laughs> the setup part. I've never forced my kids to do anything, you know, as far as just like assuming. What, let me explain what I'm talking about when I say I'm not going to assume they're going to become Christians because what what happens there, oh, my kid's saved, then I'm done. Yeah, but that does that's not enough. I have got to live it out. I have got to discuss it with them. I have got to talk about other religions, maybe. I've got to talk about the kids they go to school with who believe this and that and the other. And I've got to explain why, not that just my stuff is just better, but why it is a life changer, why it connects us with eternity, why it channels us to God versus some other direction. Because here's the truth. If my religion isn't the best one, if my way of connecting to God through Jesus Christ isn't the best way, then why would I teach it to my kids? If there is something out there that can sway them and pull them away that is better, that is real-er, then I want that for them. That sound weird? But if I'm wrong for some reason, don't don't I want to know? So far, so far, my relationship with Christ, the truths I found in the Bible, the things that I know about what God has done in me, lead me to, to go this way, the straight and narrow, that I, as I understand it. My kids are following that lead. But if when they get 18, 19 and start thinking for themselves 100% and don't have to go to church with me, if there's something else that can drag them away, then I haven't done my job. If something else is out there is more attractive than God's ways, then I haven't done my job. I want to, my kids need to see me win. My kids need to see me fail. My kids need to see me ask for forgiveness from their mom when I yell at them, yell at her. They need to see me make things right when I have a bad day and and shout at them. Not constantly, but once or twice. They need to see the things that they hear about in the Bible from your words and the words of their children's pastors and stuff. They need to see that stuff at work. I used to tell my kids, your, you know, your Bible says holy Bible, or some even say living Bible, but I don't believe it comes becomes holy and living until it's 
off the page in your heart and then living it out through your life. A wise man once said, at first a kid will do what you say, but then they will do what you do. And it's a very scary thought. See, it means that properly raising your child is more than just modifying bad habits and behaviors in your child. It's mostly about becoming the person you want your child to become. Another wise man once presented me with a concept that changed my life. He asked me about the condition of my life, my habits, my thought life, the condition of my spirit, and I told him I was fine with all of them. Then he asked me if I would wish any of those on another person that I cared for. And and in that exact moment, I realized that no part of my life, even spiritual or otherwise, was worth duplicating. And I committed to improving myself physically, mentally, spiritually. And it's a good thing because within a few years, I was having my own kids and these little lives I was responsible for, little personalities that were being shaped by my attitudes, my outlooks, my habits. So ask yourself this question. This is well, I'll kind of leave us with today is, is my life worth duplicating in my kids? Get a vision for your own self. And don't get all depressed because you're not there. It's not a, um, it's not a resolution to be somebody great. It's a goal. And the thing about goals versus resolutions is if you resolve to be this wonderful person and then you fail, then your resu- your resolution is broke. You messed up. You failed at it. Oh, well. If you shoot for a goal, you can fail a billion times. <laughs> so um, I would I would encourage you, along with your kids, to get a, get a goal for yourself. What do you want? What do you want to see going on? And if you can't be specific, just be very generic and say, I just want to be someone that answers when God calls. I want to be someone that knows as much as I can about God. I want to connect with him. I want to pray. I want to be someone that has some self-control, you know, and begin to work on those things. Let your kids see it. Um, There's a few parents in our home group that they um, (laughs) – They got, they still got some pretty foul language sometimes. (laughs) And I love it because in other areas though, where God's actually moving and working, because he, he obviously doesn't care too much about the language and the, the crappy stuff sometimes, stupid stuff. But in their heart of hearts, I mean, one of them's got a kid with leukemia in the hospital and her her other six children, plus all of us and our kids got to see her totally trusting God through the whole thing in a way that I have not been able to do in my own situation. And there, I mean, every one of her kids have watched her go through this and put God first and, and never, I mean, I'm sure she's had her moments, but in a very real way, she has struggled and honored God through this whole thing. And that is something you can never undo. Never take away. And our kids could never deny. So, and then there's there's a couple other families that are struggling with things. And, you know, 
it they're not keeping it secret. You know, that's one of the problem with some churches is we have to be perfect. We have to look good. We can't let the dark side show. But when you do, when you can confess your sins one to another, that's when God can move and that's when we can help each other and be there for each other. And um, I think your kids can be there for you and you can be there for them spiritually. I don't believe that a... Though a child has to wait to grow up physically, I do not believe that a child necessarily has to grow up or has to wait to grow up spiritually. Obviously, there are concepts and things that age restrictions don't allow them to understand. But if there's something about your life and something in the Bible, something that you've heard that they can understand, then it is for them to know. And likewise, if they can't understand it, it's not for them to know yet. So don't be talking about the Gadarean demonic and busting out stories of revelation and Daniel, you know? Um, but I, but I told my friend this cause he was talking about Bible stories and he wanted them to understand the basics of who God is. And I said, and that's important, but then you need to follow it up with how does that affect me? How does that change my life? How do I, what do I take? How do I take this information and, and, apply it to my life. Cause otherwise if you just give them names and dates and things that happened, it goes in the same drawer that their history test went in. Yeah, it's interesting. That's great. But I got life to live. So if you will work your faith with fear and trembling, they will watch that. And even if you do a crappy job at it, they will be amazed. So anyway, that's it for today. Um, discipline's a lot more than you thought it was, but those, those, uh, those easy things. Oh, well, parents are supposed to, uh, you know, disciple and train their kids. Children are supposed to obey. Children are supposed to grow in wisdom. Um, and we become a spiritual influence when we read to them, share with them, involve them, live out our faith, hold them accountable, and then let the scariest part of all, let them choose. There's so many people and maybe you can, maybe you're one of them and your faith was based so much on your parents' faith. And I think that's important at first. I think that's because of the microcosm of the way the family is. Your children base their view of God on the way they view you. And that's why it's so good to be connected with God. Um, But as their understanding of God grows and and stuff like that, um, it's important for them to know that, uh, that he's out there and he's real and, you know, and, and to see your life interacting with him and their life interacting with him and what it means. And, and it's mostly just choices and obeying. I'm going to tell you, a lot of people try to make it very, very complicated. And it's not, it's mostly just about being willing to, to do what God asks you to do. So anyway, God bless you. If you have any questions, I'm sure there's plenty uh, email me if you would, james at nlcast.com. That would be great. Um, if you're looking for these things and more of them, they're at jameskennison.com, K E N N I S O N.com. You can also find them in iTunes under Gospel of Kennison, the Gospel of Kennison. And, um, you know, we'll see you guys uh, next time. Thank you so much and God bless. <laughs>